ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Perhaps if you're in the same stage of life as me, you can relate to this. The conversation's taking place at the kitchen bench on bin night across the nation. With the kids in bed, she looks up while knotting a garbage bag. Hey, hun, um, my boss has asked if I want to pick up a couple of extra shifts and maybe go for the manager role. Oh, that's awesome, babe. Congrats. Yeah, I know, she puts down the tea towel. But it's going to mean more hours. Like, how are we going to do Tuesdays and Thursdays if we're both working those days? Yeah... That's true. Maybe we could try and get Millie an extra day at childcare. Um, Mum could do Thursdays. Yeah, but our standard doesn't have enough educators as it is. And there's already a wait list for Thursdays. And your mum can't handle a toddler, not with her knee. It just isn't worth it. This is the depressing conversation many of the families we represent are tackling. Or maybe this is more like you. Grandparenting used to be about spoiling them and handing them back. Now retirement dreams of cruises and crosswords have been gazumped by wiping bums and cutting up fruit two days a week. Look, it might be different at your place, figuring out who will do the bull run, fix that fence that's needed doing for the last fortnight, fertilise before the next lot of rain on the forecast, or the countless other jobs that need doing. But juggling those tasks with caring responsibilities is a reality that many farming families know all too well. The Parenthood Interim CEO, Jessica Rudd, has addressed the National Rural Press Club on early learning reform and the dire lack of accessible and affordable quality early learning in regional, rural and remote areas, including Queensland. There was insufficient pricing control, very little transparency when it comes to fees, and that the market cannot and will not deliver for children who are living in rural, regional and remote areas and other thin markets, and the PC has echoed this in its recent report. A 2022 Mitchell Institute report found that 50% of families in regional areas and around 80% of families in remote areas are stranded in so-called childcare deserts. These are areas where for every, every three children or more, there is only one available place. Our latest report into rural, regional and remote areas, Choiceless, supports this data. In 166 stories, families told us of their struggles. We heard from Pauline, a grandma from Tamworth, who has quit her job so that she can care for the children of her two daughters, particularly her grandson, George, who is high needs and lives with autism. She is his primary carer. There was simply nowhere available within the Tamworth region for those children to go. And so Pauline is now staying at home to look after them instead of earning for herself. We also heard from Catherine from Rainbow in rural Victoria, whose husband runs a sheep and dry cropping farm. And Catherine is a qualified teacher. She hasn't been able to work as a teacher since her two little boys were born and her eldest is five. There's been no care within Kui. This is despite the teacher shortage in their community. Kids from Broome to Bendigo are missing out on social health and and educational benefits, 
workforce shortages in critical service areas like health and education worsen when parents can't return to work and towns suffer as a result. When we launched our report, Choiceless, two weeks ago at Parliament House, it was heartening to see that politis politicians spanning the political spectrum showed up for this event, to listen to Pauline and Catherine and their stories. This issue is too crucial to be ensnared in party politics, and it's why both the ACCC and the PC propose that governments consider a market stewardship role and more intervention in thin markets like these ones. We agree. These families cannot wait any longer for the private sector to deliver what the public must. The Press Club address was hosted by the ABC's Kath Sullivan, who kicked off the questions with this one. You mentioned more than 160 case studies. Mm. How does the parenthood respond if you're on the other side of hearing these stories, which obviously vary, you know, a regional centre like Tamworth is very different to Rainbow or, or a remote area. Yeah, well, I'd like to give a little shout out to Maddie Butler from our team who did all of that really hard work in pulling those stories together. Literally went around um, with her boots and uh, her laptop and a camera to try and capture 166 stories from Australians living in rural, remote and regional communities. And every time you hear one of those stories, it's absolutely heartbreaking. I mean, I think the other thing that we don't focus on enough when we talk about all of this is the mental health burden that it takes on families who simply don't have another option. So for some of the families we spoke to, um, they were dealing with things like postnatal depression and anxiety and the impact of not having an option, not having anywhere to fall, nowhere to get respite, particularly during harvest seasons, was so harrowing to hear. So yeah, it, it just rocks you to the core and it makes you really want to come down here and do something about it, which right we're on. doing. As there's been a market failure, is this an area where we need to say, not across the country, but just in particular areas, there may be a real case for government intervention and providing those sort of services for them, regardless of the market? Nick, thank you for your question. Yes, um, so we do need intervention in thin markets, absolutely. And the PC and the ACCC have both said this. What does that look like, though? I don't know, and I'm not a policy architect, I'm an advocate. I can tell you what the families want and need. I can see why it would be hard to deliver on the ground in some of these areas. I can see how in really remote locations that might be difficult. But using a combination of maybe uh, in-home care, like govies, which is used all across Australia, um, or uh, trying to lean into the schools network might be a smart way to go. I mean, if you look at it sensibly, You've got a universal educational entitlement for children from five and up, and a lot of that's happening on Crown land in the form of schools. Why not tack on an early learning centre? I mean, these are the really sensible kind of common sense should be organised by a regional netball convener sort of <laughs> solutions that we need. We need something practical and we need it yesterday. One quick follow-up to that, which you won't answer, is, uh, uh, I, I mean, money is obviously the big thing. Mm. Is this the perfect opportunity to say we're going to invest in the future of our kids and that's why we're cancelling stage three tax cuts? Hmm. I mean, it's a great question. I'm happy to answer it, actually. Yeah. Um, so thank you for the provocation. Look, I am not sitting uh, at Treasury with a calculator. Um, and so... Uh, 
and I'm really bad at Excel spreadsheets, so I've got to put that out there. Um, but what I, what I know is that this is an investment in our future. Uh, and if I had to pick one thing to do, it would be this. Uh, I would say that because I'm an advocate in this space. But I can see what Danielle Wood at the Productivity Commission was saying. She was saying that it would deliver for the economy, that it would deliver for education and it would deliver for equality. Show me another policy that does all of that in one hit. We're in an inflationary cycle. People are struggling to pay for life. They need two incomes. They can't afford to get two incomes. Fix it. Hard to beat that. You should go into politics. <laughs> You've actually taken me straight back to my lounge room um, in Perth when I was on mat leave. It was a time when I actually first discovered the joys of the National Press Club uh, midday addresses. <laughs> a beautiful intellectual interlude they were. Also to a time when um, I was my daughter, who's now 12, but a single, being a single parent, working full-time, paying more than my mortgage in childcare fees, looking over to the option of preschool um, as a more affordable option, but the non- 9.30 to 2.30, no school holidays was just too much um, of an anxiety-inducing situation for me when I was working in quite a, a fast-paced job. Also, this morning, my daughter, now 12, says, uh, I'm not feeling too well. I said, you know, if I didn't go to work every day, I wasn't feeling too well. You know, I wouldn't be there all that often. So, but I've been half expecting the dreaded school number to come up on my phone, but not as yet. It's OK. The signal's um, really bad in here. <laughs> yes. Um, look... <laughs> um, look, I, to everybody in the room, I just want to commend as reading uh, the Parenthood's Choiceless Report, 160 plus case studies um, of regional uh, parents, carers, grandparents, um, uh, facility operators into the perils of uh, the really, really complex perils they face in accessing early childhood care. 3.6 million regional Australians live in a childcare desert. Um, and look, you know, we've talked what that means in regional Australia when that parent who the childcare can't open because they, can't, they haven't got enough uh, staff for the day, that parent's the, te uh, the doctor, the only doctor in the town. They can't go to work. That means all those people who needed to see that one doctor, uh, it impacts their life. And you know, the, the Choiceless Report talks about the teacher who took her child to the classroom. It's really cute, but it's not something and it's, uh, that's appropriate or sustainable. Um, so what we're here in Canberra today, so it's only fair that we direct our conversation to those up in the building not too far from here. But Jess, I'd just like to um, hear from you. What do you think the role of state government is in terms of improving care options? Uh, so thinking not just facilities, but we're talking about home, um, home care, uh, uh, home daycare and, um, and schools as well in terms of helping out in those thin regional markets. Yeah, thank you, uh, Loretta, and thank you very much um, for your comments about the Choiceless Report. We really appreciate it. Um, on the question of state governments, and it's a, it's a really good one, I've got to say, I don't think the parents of Australia really care which government deals with this. And that's something I hear all the time. So when I have a conversation with a parent and they tell me about their struggle, and they say, oh, you know, can't, can't find care, can't do this, can't do that. And I heard that some, something about free kindy somewhere and what's going to happen with my three-year-old, is she eligible, can I... And when we spell it all out and we say, well, the state government is doing... Um, you know, this many hours of free kindy for you for this many days a week. 
But the federal government uh, is not going to have its childcare subsidy apply for the bits at the beginning of that day and the end of that day in terms of long daycare. But that also depends on whereabouts you live. Have you been to community daycare? <laughs> have you looked at family? Have you looked at family daycare? There are a whole range of options, and they just look at me like. So, sorry, so what's the, what's the answer? And it's a great question. What is the answer? Like, your parents are really sick of trying to understand whose responsibility this is. And if we are really serious about a universal early childhood education and care system, that doesn't mean universal for Queensland and universal for Northern Territory, meaning different things. What we need is a system that does the whole job. And that means that that mob needs to work with all the other mobs around the country and work it out. Because that's what we pay them for. <laughs> OK, thanks. Keep that applause going, I say. Just some of the highlights, but Jessica Rudd's full press club address is on iview and definitely worth checking out. But just finally, purely because I enjoyed this rant. It's 10 years since Annabelle Crabb sat down to write the wife drought. 10 years, we are still having the same conversation. It's rubbish. So do we need to pick it? Yeah, probably. I'm a bit tired. But yeah, probably we do. <laughs> probably we need to go out on, onto the streets and probably we need to put our foot down and we need to say, enough, enough, at we, as we did at the March for Justice, enough. We actually need this and we need it right now and if you want us to contribute to your economy and if you want us to build your GDP and if you want us to be representing you in your diversity and inclusion measures, then I suggest you support us to fucking well get there. Thank you.